Hello and welcome to Tales at 3 a.m. This is episode 6 of our Halloween series and tonight during a full moon we're going to discuss a little bit of history and folklore behind the werewolf. So go ahead and lock your doors and turn off the lights and get comfortable and relax and close your eyes and listen Two Tales at 3 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, our story begins as early as the 1400s during a time of European folklore. Belief in werewolves developed in the course of the late Middle Ages and the early modern period, like the witchcraft trials the trial of supposed werewolves emerged in what is now considered Switzerland. And this was both in the 1400s and spread throughout Europe in the 6th, peaking in the 17th and subsiding by the 18th century, which is the 1700s. The persecution of werewolves, or at that time the idea or thought or folklore of a person turning from being a human being into an animal is an integral part of the quote witch hunt phenomena albeit a small one and accusations of lycanthropy being involved in only a small fraction of witchcraft trials during the early period accusations of lycanthropy which is transformation into a wolf basically were mixed with accusations of wolf riding or wolf charming the case of Peter Stump and if you're not sure who Peter Stump is you might want to take a look at that case because it led to a significant peak in both interest and persecution of supposed werewolves primarily in French speaking and German speaking Europe of that time. The phenomenon persisted longest in Bavaria and Austria, with persecution of wolf charmers recorded until well after 1650, the final cases taking place in the early 18th century in Styria. And after the end of the witch trials, the werewolf became of interest in folklore studies 
And of course, as you can see around us, emerging in gothic horror genre and werewolf fiction and medieval romance. The idea of the werewolf can't be traced to simply one part of culture because different sects of different cultures depending on which country that you come from and its mythology that it carried all have similarities yet differences such as pre-Christian beliefs in Europe which may have included a cult focused on dogs and werewolves or wolves identified with an age grade of young unmarried warriors and it's believed that they would wear the skin of a wolf and would walk around in that skin. The idea of man changing into wolf is also found in ancient Greek literature and mythology where there was a tribe in the northeast of Scythia called the Neri that once a year for several days this tribe would change into a wolf and then after a few days would change back into human form. There are stories dating back to the second century BC where the king of Lycaon of Arcadia was transformed into a wolf because he had sacrificed a child in the altar of Zeus. And speaking of Middle Ages, there was widespread belief of werewolves throughout medieval Europe, as said. The belief or evidence spanned across the European continent as well as the British Isles, and werewolves were mentioned in medieval law codes, such as that of King Newt. The ecclesiastical ordinances inform us that the codes aim to ensure that, and I quote, the madly audacious werewolf do not too widely devastate nor bite too many of the spiritual flock, end quote. There were reports that the son of Simon I of Bulgaria could use magic to turn himself into a wolf. From the idea and beliefs throughout Europe, whether it was literature or whether it was word of tongue about man being able to turn into wolf and the early Christian church knowing about this and basically giving everyone a heads up when you have that kind of situation while at the same time mixed understandings and beliefs that women were turning into cats and into snakes and of course that deals with a lot of the early belief in witches there were writings and literature that were created that because of the widespread fear and panic and belief of man turning into wolf that there were prominent leaders who were telling citizens and devout believers to not read such literature because they were afraid that reading that literature would result in a person turning into werewolves themselves. 
The Germanic pagan traditions associated with wolfmen persisted longest in the Viking Age. Harold I of Norway is known to have had a body half wolf, half man, which was mentioned in a saga of werewolf legends. And though they dressed in wolf hides rather than those of bears and were reputed to channel the spirits of these animals to enhance effectiveness in battle, these warriors were resistant to pain and killed viciously in battle, much like wild animals. Many different situations and folklore and literature of that time described the medieval period having given rise to the dual form of werewolf folklore in early and modern Europe. On one hand, the Germanic werewolf, which becomes associated with the witchcraft panic. And on the other hand, the Slavic werewolf, which becomes associated with the concept of the revenant or the vampire. The Eastern werewolf vampire is found in the folklore of Central and Eastern Europe, including Hungary, Romania, and the Balkans, while the Western werewolf or sorcerer is found in France, German-speaking Europe, and in the Baltic. So as you can see, if you take back to early beliefs of vampires, early beliefs of werewolves and things of that nature, they're their commonality had to do with you know, vicious attacking, had to do with stalking prey at night, things of that nature. And I think the commonality comes back to the root understanding of something and what they believed out of this normal understanding of, of human development and that something or someone attacking people and involving spirituality or supernatural forces behind it that eventually the ideas and the concepts and the legends and the folklore behind things kind of split into depending on which region of the world that you were looking at. Being a werewolf was a common accusation in which in witch trials throughout their history and it featured even in the Valia's witch trials, one of the earliest such trials altogether in the first half of the 15th century, so that would have been the 1400s. In Switzerland, child-eating werewolves were reported as early as 1448. There were numerous reports of werewolf attacks and consequent court trials in 1500s century France. And in some of the cases, there was clear evidence against the accused of murder and cannibalism, but with no of association with wolves. A peak of attention to lycanthropy, as we know is you know, changing man to wolf, came in the late 16th to early 17th century as part of the European witch hunts. And if you have not heard about the European witch hunts, because you hear more about Salem witch hunts than you do 
primarily anything else. There was a time in Scotland before the Salem Witch Trials where there were hundreds if not thousands of people who were murdered in Scotland during a witch trial. You might want to look a little bit of that history up. A large number of treaties on werewolves were written in France during the during 1595 and 1615. Werewolves were supposedly cited in France in 1598 and a teenage werewolf was sentenced to life imprisonment in 1603. So if you look at history as it is in France from the 1500s all the way to late 1600s, even as late as 1670. There were per people who were accused of lycanthropy and or were simply being accused of being a werewolf and were killed because of it. Even if there was no evidence to support it, of course, when you have my mass hysteria over something that people don't understand people start to trip out and people are killed because of it. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? By the beginning of the 17th century, witchcraft was prosecuted by James I of England who regarded war wolfies as victims of delusion induced by a natural superabundance of melancholic. So I guess you could say, in other words, these people thought that People who were believing that they were werewolves were on something or they thought that they were having mass hallucinations. After 1650, belief in lycanthropy had mostly disappeared from French-speaking Europe. And it was beginning to be believed by not necessarily everybody. But the belief was starting to spread a little bit here and there that lycanthropy was simply a disorder of the brain. Now, even though past that time period, there were extraordinary wolf-like beasts that were being reported to create mass casualty through parts of Europe, those beasts were not considered to be werewolves. Do they have the evidence of what they were? Not that is known. After the widespread folklorish belief of lycanthropy or werewolves began to subside in certain parts of Europe, the one portion of Europe which maintained a very vigorous belief in werewolves after 1650 was the Roman Empire. There was literature, at least nine works that were created involving lycanthropy in Germany between 1649 and 1679 involving the belief in werewolves and that belief persisted well into the 1700s. Now until the 20th century wolf attacks on humans were an occasional but still widespread feature of life in Europe. It still happened. It is suggested that it was inevitable that it was wolves because wolves were the most feared predators in Europe 
so you see it attack you think hey it's a werewolf even if you didn't find the tracks let's see it's during snow time someone gets attacked outside but the snow kind of covers up the track but they see the bloody body laying everywhere and they automatically attribute it to the wolf because why it's feared and someone has to blame something right and the folklore and belief in the werewolf eventually got projected into shapeshifters the cooperation of this fact was in areas that were devoid of wolves and so they would create a predator to kind of fill in that niche of what the situation could be so people are not understanding of course you have to think about it. during that time period Science was there, but you couldn't necessarily walk into a health clinic and figure out what's going on. So people would create folklore as they went to try to explain something that was outside of their understanding. Now, as early as the 1960s, medical research had been coming along and it was being argued that historical accounts on werewolves could have been referring to victims of photosensitivity, reddish teeth, and psychosis, and believing that since what they were looking at came a long way with science, that they felt like people going through certain medical things that people just didn't understand during the time, especially the 1400s, that they were actually undergoing medical conditions that were just not understood. And that people who were accused of being werewolves were simply having other medical conditions taking place and they were summing it up to be some kind of supernatural abomination or coming up with their own folklore tale of the werewolf. What were some characteristics and folk beliefs? Of werewolves? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's take a look. The transition of man to wolf or wolf to man was thought to either be temporary or permanent, or that the man himself was metamorphed and that his real nature was the wolf. It was believed by folklore that the wolf was the man's soul going out to do things that he normally would hide on the inside and that the things that he craved would be put into the animal form to be able to go out and do the nature. Werewolves were said in European folklore to bear telltale physical traits even in their human form and this included meeting of eye, both eyebrows at the bridge of the nose, curved fingernails, low-set ears, and a swinging stride. So ladies, if you were trying to seduce your man and you were striding along, you might be a werewoman. One method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh of the accused under the pretense that the fur would be seen within the wound. There was a superstition in Russia that were called a werewolf can be recognized by bristles under the tongue. How convenient. It was thought that once a man was turning into a werewolf, that he had no tail. And this goes into accounts 
a trait that was characteristic of witches in animal form. And it was believed that once a man going from a being a werewolf, transferring back into being a man, that he would become weak and debilitated and would start going through nervous depression like something had just controlled his body and he was having to recover from whatever medically had just happened to him. Now, if you wanted to turn into a werewolf, of course there's always going to be some kind of written law, but there were various forms of becoming a werewolf that had been reported. And one of the simplest was being the removal of clothing and putting on a belt made of wolf skin, being a substitute for the assumption of an entire animal skin. And in other cases, the body being rubbed with magic saliva or drinking rainwater out of the footprint of the animal in question are from certain enchanted streams. According to a 16th century Swedish writer, the Livonian werewolves were initiated by draining a cup of specially prepared beer and repeating a set formula, which is a far cry from what you see in werewolf movies today. In Italy, France, and Germany, it was said that a man or woman could turn into a werewolf if he or she, on a certain Wednesday or Friday, slept outside on a summer night with the full moon shining directly on his or her face, which I guess with that folklore belief that has kind of translated into more modern understanding of movies and TV series where you see a person outside and they look up at the moon and they say, oh shit. And next thing you know, they are themselves telling people to run away from them because they are about to be changing into a wolf. So I guess that understanding derives from this old folklore belief that resonated throughout parts of Europe. In some cases, the transformation was supposedly accomplished by satanic allegiance for the sake of satisfying a craving for human flesh. I guess when you run out of Cheetos, you got to look towards something else, especially if the gas station is closed at 2 in the morning. The phenomena of repercussion and the power of animal metamorphosis or sending out a familiar and we've discussed in a previous episode what a familiar was in its association with the witch in the modern belief of a familiar or all attributed to the magician, male and female all the world over. And during that time period of superstitions of witches all have lycanthropy beliefs and the most distinguishing feature being between the ideas of witches of that time period and the folklore that was originating with them and werewolves and familiars and whatnot and demons and things like that attacking people they all have a characteristic that comes back to the distinguishing feature of lycanthropy. 
Now, out of all of this, you may be wondering to yourself, where is there a remedy for no longer being a werewolf? Was there any hope for people who were accused of being a werewolf of any sort of capacity during the medieval times and even into now? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because there's more than just a civil bullet. The ancient Greeks and Romans believed in the power of exhaustion by basically having people go through long periods of physical activity in the hope of actually purging the person of the werewolf syndrome. In parts of medieval Europe, it was believed that there were three ways in which you could cure a person of lycanthropy. One of those ways being wolf's bane, or surgically or through exorcism because they believe that some people who were turning into werewolves were demonically possessed and they needed to go through a form of exorcism in arabic origin it was believed that you could hit the forehead or scalp with a knife to cure somebody of being a werewolf it was believed in parts of germany that a person would be cured of being a werewolf if you simply addressed the werewolf three times by its Christian name. And according to the Danish, a particular belief was that all you had to do was scold it in order to cure the person. So as you can see, there's more than one way to get rid of a werewolf, but you notice, I think the whole idea of shooting a werewolf with a silver bullet came much later and you'll find more of that according to what is widely known in TV series and in movies to be more of a modern take. Before the end of the 19th century, the Greeks believed that the corpses of werewolves, if they were not killed, would return to life in the form of wolves or hyenas which prowled battlefields, drinking the blood of dying soldiers. And on the other hand, in some rural areas of Germany, Poland and northern France, it was once believed that people who died in mortal sin came back to life as blood-drinking werewolves. These undead werewolves would return to the human corpse form at daylight. When they would return to their human corpse at daylight, they were dealt with by decapitation, so they would cut off the head with a spade and exorcism by the parish priest. The head would be thrown into a stream where the weights of its sin was thought to weigh it down. And actually that's kind of funny because that same kind of characteristic of chopping off the head and throwing it in the water was also how they thought that they should dispose of vampires during that time. Well, we delved into a little bit of history and folklore, more folklore than history, of the werewolf. Let's look a little bit into the modern adaptation. Now, there have been books and there have been TV series such as Teen Wolf and movies involving werewolves such as Underworld where the werewolf... Is not called a werewolf, but is called by a shortened form of lycanthropy, and they are called lichens. 
So the modern take on the werewolf kind of does stem from the old beliefs of man turning into beasts, if you will. But modern werewolves are vulnerable to silver weapons and highly resistant to other injuries. And this started coming about in the 18th century going forward with publications and new type of English folklore. When you had the adaptation of shapeshifters being vulnerable to silver, and then you had the folklore of the werewolf, the idea of werewolves and shapeshifters kind of collided, and thus the idea of werewolves being harmed by silver kind of stuck. So just like with the idea of the Quaker outfit and the belief of women at the time, a long time ago, coming together and now you have the pointy witch hat, you take folklore, the shapeshifter, and you mix that with the belief of werewolf and the literature put out and you bring those two together and it created the popular myth of werewolves being harmed by silver and of course the further along you go into marketing and movies and tv shows eventually the type of weapons that transformed went from being knives and daggers and swords into being bullets as time went by with any kind of folklore getting redone and re-romanticized into different types of literature depending on society's views of certain things at the time just like vampires, just like witches, werewolves have gone through a transformation through literature over time from being simply just blood-sucking animals to being somewhat of a romanticized creature that is about love and affection and about people's desires to hold things in for themselves and at nighttime making sure that the people that they love are securely away from them or they're going to turn into a creature that they cannot control and the only way to take them out is with a silver bullet. All this has been romanticized and turned into pop culture icons with different books. Uh, Dracula being one, if I'm not mistaken. Dracula could turn himself into a werewolf. You also had other TV shows, as I said, such as Teen Wolf. I'm sure there were others than that. But literature has really taken the idea of the werewolf and struck the romance into it. And over time, you've had folklore change. You've had things added to add more of a sexualized nature of the werewolf. And that understanding and the changing of the werewolf is where we leave our story. I hope you've enjoyed some of the back folklore and understanding of the werewolf and what it has done for modern times. Things changing 
the romanticizing of it all. And I'll be looking forward to the next episode. This is Tales at 3 a.m., and I hope that you are still in your quiet and dark place listening. I hope you've enjoyed. Stay tuned.